Hello, and welcome back to the Everyday Trainer Podcast. My name is Meg, and I am a dog trainer. On today's episode, we're talking about reactivity. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Gretchen, my reactive dog, how she came into my life, what it's like living with a reactive dog, and all the nitty gritty stuff that kind (laughs) of goes in between. So you know the drill, grab yourself a tasty drink and meet me back here. All right, so this is an episode that I've been meaning to do for a while now. Um, I don't share too much about my life with Gretchen. So if you don't know, Gretchen is my reactive German Shepherd who came into my life who knows how long ago, Um, probably about, at this point, maybe two years. I've had her for a little bit now. Um, and she came to me with some pretty severe behavioral issues. Um, now before I get into anything, gotta let you know what I'm drinking. I have a nice little tea mixture going on right now. Um, when Tori and I, Tori is one of our trainers, when I recorded the podcast with her, uh, we were actually drinking wine and I'm not a huge drinker, but it was one of the first podcasts that we had recorded. And so I was like, you know what, let's just drink a glass of wine and kind of take the, you know, the nervousness out of this situation. And I was watching the recording because I videoed it and just my eyes <laughs> get droopier and droopier. So I actually poured a glass of wine before this one because I was like, dang, I'm a little bit nervous again. Um, and I took a sip of it and I was like, no, I cannot do this. Your girl has gut health issues, like she needs to drink some tea instead. So that's what we're doing. Um, I am recording this episode in my bedroom today, so I am not videoing it. And the reason I'm doing it for my bedroom is because we have some new board and train dogs in the house. So you can probably hear them in the background. They don't like not being the center of my attention. So when they hear me talking, they all start to go off and whine, which is, you know, something that I could completely, (laughs) I could do an entire podcast about how everybody, everybody's dogs think that they're the center of the universe. Um, And so when they come here, when we do anything that doesn't involve them, they like get very upset at us and will yell at us. Um, It's pretty crazy. But anyways, we're talking about Gretchen today and I'm going to talk with you about reactivity. Um, This is, you know, a big, a big word in dog training. Everybody has a reactive dog, but, uh, you know, I didn't know what reactivity was before I became a dog trainer. And now it seems like everybody knows what reactivity is and everybody has a reactive dog. So let's kind of break that down first. Um, My favorite explanation for reactivity is basically your dog has some sort of explosion due to a barrier and a trigger. So your dog can be reactive to other dogs. They can be reactive to people, but basically your dog is having some big explosive emotional response to some sort of trigger. And it typically is correlated with a 
barrier. So a barrier could be the leash, it could be a fence, it could be a window, but typically reactive dogs aren't necessarily aggressive. It's the frustration that comes from that barrier that causes that kind of explosive response. Um, So Gretchen is a, she's probably got to be about five years old now. Um, She is my German Shepherd. I have four personal dogs now. Uh, I believe when I started this podcast, I only have two, so we've doubled. So I have Zoe and Lucy, who are my two golden retrievers. Uh, Zoe is 11 years old, which is wild. Uh, Lucy is, I might be exaggerating a little bit. Maybe she's 10. Lucy is six or five. Their birthdays are in March, so I'll have to double check on that. And I am probably a terrible dog owner that I don't know their birthdays, but that's just, I'm not a, I'm not a birthday girl. It's not super important to me. Anyways, um, so Zoe and Lucy are my originals. And then I got Gretchen and I'll kind of explain how Gretchen came into my life. Um, so Gretchen's probably around five years old now. We don't really know exactly how old she is, but I believe when I got her, she was about three and I've probably had her for almost two years now. And then I have Minka, who is almost a year old, and Minka is my little noodly Malinois puppy. Um, so yeah, those are my ooh, those are my four dogs. Uh, but today we're just talking about Gretchen. Now, Gretchen is quite possibly the worst name for a dog. And I'm sorry if your dog's name is Gretchen. I know I've had a few people reach out to me on social media who are like, oh my gosh, I love that name. That's the name of my dog. And I'm like, oh, I did not choose this. So back in the day, we're going to go back two years or so. One of my trainers, who is now one of my best friends, Nicole, she has her own dog training business, Red Fox Dog Training. Um, She was working for me at the time, and Nicole has this issue where she is always finding dogs for people. She has provided Savannah, one of my other trainers, a dog. She's given me a dog. Uh, She gave one of my other trainers, Alyssa, a dog. Uh, She gave actually she gave me two dogs. I got Minka from her as well. She just, she's the dog plug. She literally finds dogs for people. So Nicole was working for me at the time and Nicole is very much the save all the dogs type of girl. And she has like the sweetest soul and she just wants to, you know, help everybody and help all the dogs that she can. So she is part of this like Facebook group. I don't even really know, but she's part of this Facebook group and somebody posted in this Facebook group, hey, my brother or somebody has this German Shepherd. Um, she has a bite history. She's set to get put down this weekend. Can anybody take her? The shelters like won't take her back. So Nicole, of course, sends me a screenshot and is like, Megan, please, can we take her? We can train her and then we can adopt her out. We can find her a new home. Obviously, you know how this ends. (laughs) We do not find Gretchen a new home. Um, So I was like, no, I do not want this dog. Like I just kept saying no. And she basically just bullied me into getting this dog. And I was like, fine, if you help me train the dog, And if you go and pick up the dog, I will keep the dog at my house. So at the time, Nicole didn't have like a dog training business in her house. She was just, you know, helping me with dogs and would take a few dogs here and there. 
So I was like, fine, we can keep her at our house, but you have to help me with her and you have to go pick her up. So Nicole goes to pick Gretchen up and um, I meet her halfway. I drive about an hour and we meet like in some parking lot somewhere and she takes Gretchen out and she's just this neurotic little mess. She's like quite literally the cutest German shepherd. Like people will literally stop me and be like, that is the most adorable German shepherd I've ever seen because she's very small. She's like a very petite, like athletic, short haired German shepherd. Like she has the biggest puppy dog eyes in the whole world. She looks like such a little baby. Um, but when Nicole first brought her out, she was chasing cars, right? So we went and took her for a little walk kind of in the parking lot and she was whining and leaking and, you know, just (laughs) going crazy, trying to chase cars. I couldn't get her to just acknowledge that, you know, I was at the end of the leash and I was like, oh boy. Okay. Well, you know, whatever. I've trained lots of dogs at this point. I wasn't too concerned with it. So we get her into the crate and we get her into the back of my car and um, I just do a few things. I kind of like touch the outside of the crate and Gretchen goes crazy, right? So super, super like aggressive at the crate or if you like put your hand on top of the crate or even at the front of the crate, she would just, you know, like super scary and try to like go at your hand. Um, So I was like, all right, she doesn't seem that bad, you know, like, she's obviously like a little bit aggressive, but it just seems to be due to all of these barriers, like the crate and the leash and stuff like that. So I took her back to the house and, um, I kept a slip lead on her when she was in my van to make sure that, you know, once I got back to the house by myself, I would be able to handle her. So I took her out of the car and immediately when I had the leash on her, I knew that she had never had a leash around her neck before. And I was just using a slip lead. So mind you, when I got Gretchen, she was on a enormous (laughs) harness. She was incredibly overweight. Um, just you could tell she had a lot of like inflammation like her skin was dry her fur was dry like she just did not look like she was in the best shape at all so I knew immediately one I'm gonna have to teach her how to walk on a leash because this dog has clearly never had a leash on her she's only had a harness on um and two we're gonna have to you know get on the weight loss train here because I feel very strongly about having overweight dogs I think it is so unfair to them And I don't think that they should be overweight. It's our fault if our dogs are overweight. Anyways, so I took her out of the car and she's going crazy. Just the pressure of a slip lead is causing her to scream and bite up the leash. If you're not a dog trainer, um, that is like one of my least favorite things is when the dogs try to go and bite up the leash because you really have one option, which is to hold the leash up as high and far away from your body as possible to prevent the dog from biting you. So it was so loud and such a scene that all of my neighbors came out to make sure that I was okay. And I'm standing there holding this dog that's literally trying to eat me alive. And I was like, yep, everything is great. So at that point, I knew that I was in for more than I anticipated. So 
one of the first things that I did with her is I was like, all right, I have to, I have to muzzle condition her. Like this dog is unsafe. I was living in the house by myself at the time. And, you know, if anything were to happen, like nobody would be there, right? Nobody would be there to drive me to the hospital or know that I got bit or anything like that. So I was like, all right, we are going to muzzle condition you and make sure that you have a muzzle on at all times, anytime that I'm working with you. So I muzzle conditioned her. And basically how I did that is she would only eat from the muzzle. Like that was the only time that she would get food. And that's kind of how I do things. Um, Like if I'm crate training a dog and let's say the dog like really doesn't like the crate, the only time that they're going to eat is going to be in the crate. I'm not even going to worry about using food in other areas because I want the crate to be that valuable. So that's kind of what I did with muzzle muzzle conditioning Gretchen is I was like, okay, this needs to be the best thing ever because I need you to willingly put this muzzle on um, so that you're not biting me. Right. So basically all I did is I got like a really big, like a bigger fitting muzzle and I would just put food in it and put it up to her head. She would put her face in. I would say, yes, I would pull it away and then I would reward with my hand. So I just kept doing that until she was willingly putting her nose into the muzzle. And then I could eventually like strap it around her. And that was kind of our thing is before you come out of the crate, we got to muzzle you. Now, the other thing that I had to do with Gretchen, which I don't necessarily recommend, but it was just kind of what I had to do at the time is I had to keep a slip lead on her even when she was in the crate. I don't love to do this. It's not like the safest option, but if it were coming down to me or Gretchen, like Gretchen was going to get put down. So I was like, you know what? I'll do whatever I have to do for, you know, that to not happen. So I was just keeping a slip lead on her all the time so that I could easily like grab her if I needed to. And I didn't have to worry about slipping the slip lead over her head, which was kind of a big trigger for her. Now, one thing about German Shepherds is once you get like on their good side, on their like trustworthy side, they are loyal, like loyal. So I did this with Gretchen for, I don't know, who knows how long. I I could barely touch her for like the first month, two months. But once I got past that like two month mark, things really shifted with Gretchen as far as like in the house stuff. So I could you know, take off the slip lead. I could put on the slip lead. I could now kind of work with her without a muzzle. I could have her take food from my hand without her trying to like bite my hand. She's pretty aggressive at taking food. Um, And, you know, I was able to handle her more because she trusted me and we built that relationship. And that was like, a really big turning point for us. So at that point, I was no longer worried about Gretchen biting me our biggest issue with her was the reactivity. So Gretchen was very sensitive to the leash and she's a big screamer. Like I'm sure if you've, you know, watched any of my stories on Instagram or seen anything, um, you can hear Gretchen in the background screaming. Like she, that's just what she does. Like she's just a loud, screamy, whiny German shepherd. And at this point I've just kind of accepted it. Like I literally don't even hear it anymore. Some days when I'm like on edge, it kind of drives me nuts and I just have to like walk out of the house. But 
that's just kind of how she is. So, um, taking her out of the house was pretty difficult for me because of the reactivity. She was reactive to dogs, people, and cars. So it's so funny. I get like a lot of people who are like, you're not a real dog trainer because you have golden retrievers. Like you have the easiest dogs in the world. And like you have a Malinois, like Malinois are so easy to train. And I'm like, yes, but I also have quite literally the most difficult German shepherd that I could possibly have. And that, (laughs) that is Gretchen. Um, she's incredibly high energy. She could outrun anybody. She could go, you know, walk 12 miles a day and still be in the same, like, overexcited, overaroused state of mind. So it was really, really difficult for me to work through this reactivity. And one thing that I'm extremely grateful of from Gretchen is none of my, none of my typical things worked with her, right? So I'm really big with most reactive dogs. I correct the intention. So when the dog goes to be reactive before they go to be reactive, if you give a little leash pop or press your e-collar, you can usually disrupt the dog and prevent them from even going and being reactive. So the goal is to catch them kind of like an elbow nudge of, hey, I see what you're going to do. Don't go and do that. And that typically works really well with most of the dogs that I've worked with. Um, and Gretchen was my exception, right? So one thing that I saw with her is if I went to correct her on the leash, I got the biting up the leash, the redirecting, the, you know, the screams. And I was like, all right, this is not what I want. I'm not even disrupting this reactive state of mind. I'm almost elevating her. So I tried to do that for a little bit and nothing seemed to work with her. I would do directional changes. I would do our walking drills. I could not get Gretchen to not be reactive every time she saw like another dog or person or car. So she really, she really taught me a lot. Um, but there was a period of time where I was like, wow, I literally know nothing. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to train this dog. Like there's literally nothing that I can do to fix her. Um, I will say if you do have a reactive dog and you haven't tried correcting the intention, you can do that. You want to make sure that obviously your dog understands what leash pressure means first. Um, and you want to make sure that you're being timely with it. So the whole point in correcting a dog's intention is usually you just need a very minimal correction to prevent the dog from going to be reactive. Whereas if you try to like correct the dog for being reactive, you need a much larger correction because the dog is in such an elevated state. But if you can catch them before they get into that elevated reactive state, you can usually disrupt the reactivity before it even happens. And that's how I, you know, continue to work with a lot of dogs that come to us that, um, are reactive. So I knew that I needed to take a different approach with Gretchen. I just didn't necessarily know what that looked like. So one thing that works really well with Gretchen is directional changes, which I know I just said like that wasn't working for us, but I changed things up on how I did these directional changes. So I would use a nose loop with her. So it's kind of like a figure eight nose loop. It's just, you just use a regular slip lead and loop the, um, 
like front end of the slip lead around the dog's nose. And that was really allowing me to lead Gretchen from her head instead of kind of like always tugging her backwards. Like she's really big on pulling on the leash. So it allowed me to kind of navigate with her a little bit better. I don't know if you can hear the dog whining in the background, but this is our new board and train. Um, she's very, very needy and she hears me talking, so she's going to scream. But anyways, um, so the nose looped work worked really nicely with Gretchen and I got a lot of my inspiration for how to work with Gretchen from the gentle method. Um, the gentle method comes from Oregon Tales. They're a dog training company, obviously, out in Oregon. And they're really big on the connection of the dog via the leash. So they also utilize this kind of nose loop and do a lot of work with the dogs where they're doing training kind of similar to how you would train a horse, right? So you're doing like these circles, you're doing these walking drills and really focusing on slowing the dog down and connecting with the dog. So that's what I did with Gretchen and it worked really, really nicely for us. And it's obviously, obviously, but it's something that I continue to do with her and um, continue to work with her on. And she's gotten significantly better with her reactivity by slowing her down. So one thing that I talk to owners about all the time is, you know, reactivity is really just a symptom of the dog's state of mind. The dog is in this elevated, impulsive, reactive state of mind. And so, of course, when they see any sort of trigger, they're going to have some big explosion to it. So how we address this reactivity is we address the overall state of mind of the dog. How do we slow that dog down? How do we condition the dog to be calm, to be in this default calm state so that they can make better decisions? Because a dog that is in this elevated, overly excited state of mind all the time is not going to be making the best decisions. But a dog whose default state is this calm, confident, neutral state of mind, they're going to be making significantly better decisions. And that's kind of our goal and how we want to address, you know, these symptoms of reactivity. So doing those walking drills really helped me with Gretchen and continuing like, her reactivity training, teaching her how to slow down so that when she does see a trigger, she's not acting on that impulse that tells her to go and be reactive. Now, most dogs that are reactive, they're reactive because we haven't told them that they don't have to be. Um, A lot of dogs are reactive because they're calling all the shots all day long, right? They decide where to go on the walk. They decide when to stop. They decide who to greet. Uh, They decide, you know, when to eat. They decide when they want to go outside. They're basically bossing us around all day. So, of course, they're going to think that it's their job to bark at that dog or, you know, lunge at that person because either, you know, they feel threatened or they're insecure about the situation and you haven't shown them that you're looking out for them, that you're looking out and that it's not their job to do that. So, When we address reactivity, we have to address that state of mind. And we also need to address the fact that we need to micromanage our dogs a little bit more because they're showing us that they can't handle the amount of kind of freedom 
that we've given them, right? So they they kind of think that it's their job to go and be reactive because nobody has told them that they don't have to. They don't have to act that way. And if they're calling all the shots in their day-to-day life, then of course they're going to call the shots when they're on the walk and they see whatever it is that triggers them. So we need to look at how we're living with our reactive dogs. Now with Gretchen, Gretchen thrives off of structure and structure for us is lots of crate time. So she's not just wandering aimlessly around my house. If she was, she would just mindlessly be pacing. Um, She wouldn't ever settle on her own. That's just the type of dog that she is. So putting her in the crate allows her to settle. It allows her to have that downtime and practice the state of mind that I want to see more of, which is that calm, neutral state of mind. Now, another thing that you can do with your reactive dog is practice lots of place time. So place is simply just an elevated bed where your dog goes to stay and it's basically the crate without walls. So I kind of say, you know, the crate is a crib, the place caught is, you know, a toddler bed. So we've taken away the railings on the side and now your dog has to practice impulse control. They're not allowed to get up from place. Um, and so they can, but they're not allowed to until you release them. And it's really important for, you know, these dogs with anxious tendencies and reactivity to practice not acting on every single impulse that tells them to get up, wander around, act on this, jump on the counter, do that. We're just giving them a job and, It's kind of like doggy meditation, right? So your dog goes and hangs out on place and that's their only job. That's all they have to do. So when we give our dog structure and kind of manage them in this way, we're showing them that we're kind of making these decisions for them. And we're also reinforcing the state of mind that we want to see more of. We're not reinforcing the wandering around aimlessly and maybe getting into the trash and maybe, you know, barking at the door, reinforcing all these habits that we, you know, like we don't want to reinforce. So day-to-day life with Gretchen is very, very structured. Um, She eats in the crate or, you know, she eats in a training session. She has her crate routine. She goes out in the morning. We hang out in the backyard. She'll go for walks with us. Previously, I was much more, um, Gretchen would have a lot more freedom with me before, uh, probably about a year ago. Um, I would have Gretchen out in the yard with us, with all of the other dogs. And that was until her and Lucy, who is my younger golden retriever, got into a pretty bad fight. And they've been in little like tussles before, but this was, this was a bad one. Um, I, Luckily was not alone at the time, um, but we were just in the backyard and I think, you know, Gretchen grabbed a stick and Lucy tried to grab the stick from her and then Gretchen went and guarded the stick and then Lucy went at Gretchen and they got into a fight where we had to pull them off. You know, we're doing everything that we can. We're spraying them with the hose, like nothing would get them to like get off of each other. And Gretchen is the one who starts it. Lucy is the one who finishes it. So trying to pull Gretchen off of, or trying to pull Lucy off of Gretchen was just like such a traumatizing experience for me because I was like, wow, I'm about to see both of my dogs just like maim each other basically. Um, So luckily we got them pulled apart. 
Uh, it was just like minor wounds. Everybody was good. But ever since that fight, Lucy and Gretchen have had it out for each other. They have this weird relationship where they're literally obsessed with each other, but they also hate each other. So life with Gretchen and Lucy has become very, very structured. I do not let them interact with each other because it's just not worth it for me to have any sort of incident like that again. So life with, you know, this like reactive, impulsive, you know, kind of aggressive dog has turned into a very structured life. Um, And I know I get a lot of clients who reach out to us or people who reach out on Instagram who have similar situations of, you know, they have dogs that just don't get along and their life is all about managing those dogs, making sure that, you know, you have a doggy gate, you have one dog in the crate, you have one dog on place. Lucy and Gretchen will never be out in the house. I don't want to say never, but anytime soon, they will not be out in my house just kind of free roaming. That's just not the relationship that they have. And they're not ever going to be the type of dogs where I can just trust them to hang out with each other and not get into something when, you know, I step away for a second. But um, Gretchen did get to a really good place. She came with us on vacation. We would go hiking off leash with her. She has an amazing recall. Like, I built a really good foundation of skills that makes all of this management so much easier. So even if you do have a reactive dog or an aggressive dog, while you might not necessarily be able to fix that dog entirely, you can create some management skills, some training that will allow you to just live with your dog better. And that's kind of the talk that I have with a lot of owners that call us who, you know, do have these aggressive dogs is, well, we might not be able to fix aggression. We might not be able to, you know, completely transform your dog, but we'll give you the tools so that you can manage life with this type of dog so much better. Right. And that's kind of what it's all about is just making sure that you have the tools to be able to manage the dog safely, live with the dog safely, and, you know, feel comfortable doing so. So Gretchen had a bite history before she got to me, and unfortunately, she bit a few people while she was with me. All of the times that she bit people, I was not around, um... I have a pretty good read on Gretchen, but she is the type of dog that if you don't know how to read dogs very well, she's not a good dog for you to have, which is why she is still with me. So I kind of compare Gretchen to a loaded gun. I I know how to handle her, but I'm not going to hand just a loaded gun over to anybody. There's There's a sense of like, responsibility that I have with Gretchen and that I know her. I know how to read her. I know what triggers her. And I can't imagine handing her over to just anybody. Like if I did give her to somebody, she would have to go with somebody who, you know, knows what they're getting into and knows how to read dogs and is like skilled in the type of dog that she is. She would be a perfect dog for somebody who is like, really active and doesn't have any other dogs and just wants like 
almost kind of like a working German shepherd. Like she very much has that like state of mind of like, you're not just going to settle in the house. Like you need to be crated and she loves it. She loves her crate. She goes in there so willingly. And that's another one of the skills that I've kind of taught her to be able to manage life with her a little bit better. But you know, she's not the type of dog that's just going to be able to sleep in your bed. Like she just can't handle that, you know, level of like privilege. Um, I believe when, before she got to me, the times that she bit people was like resource guarding the couch or something. Um, but I've never had an issue with Gretchen. She's never bitten me, but I also don't put her in situations where she would bite me. Now, I know that there are a lot of people out there who can probably relate to my Gretchen story, but I do want to talk a little bit about why I think that there are so many reactive dogs or there are so many behavioral dogs out there. It seems like it's just increasing and increasing. And, you know, obviously as a dog trainer, like, I don't want to say it's like good for me, but it keeps us in business, all of these behavioral dogs. And I think there's a few reasons for it. So I have kind of, I've traveled to many different countries. And um, one of the things that I notice is like, I've been to, you know, Colombia and Puerto Rico and Nicaragua, and I always meet dogs everywhere I go. There's like street dogs and they're the most stable dogs that I've ever seen. And it really makes me question, you know, like, dang, what are we doing to our dogs in the U.S. and, you know, like other countries that, you know, like, what are we doing that is causing all of these behavioral issues? Like, why do I even have a job? And I was kind of joking with a friend of like, it's kind of silly that, you know, we have jobs as dog trainers because owners treat their dogs like human babies and it is not a natural way for them to live and it causes these problems. Um, you know, these street dogs are so happy and it makes sense. You know, they're walking miles and miles a day. They get to roam. They socialize with other dogs. They're exposed to cars and people and all the things like they are so just stable. And it's because, you know, their life is more natural than the lives that we are giving our family dogs. And, I see it getting worse and worse. And I know I mentioned this in, you know, my previous podcast, but us babying our dogs is really not doing them any favors. And it's really causing so many behavioral issues because we're not meeting their more natural needs, like making sure they get, you know, balanced, healthy food and enough exercise and um, boundaries. Boundaries are so important for any healthy relationship. We We've kind of allowed all of that stuff to go out the window and we're loving our dogs by giving them endless amounts of affection and sleeping in our bed and, you know, not having any of these boundaries and it's, it's causing a lot of problems. And so I'm seeing this increase in reactive dogs. I'm seeing this increase in aggressive dogs and behavioral dogs. And I think that has a, a big part of it is we're like babying our dogs so much and we're giving them so much freedom in our very human lives and not really like one helping them navigate it and two giving them the things that they need to thrive like 
exercise. Exercise is so huge. Um, so that's one of the main things that I kind of see with, uh, you know, behavioral dogs on the rise. But another thing that I want to talk about, which is probably a little bit controversial, but, um, I think needs to be said is, you know, I think back in the day, you know, my parents' generation or their parents' generation, I don't think that people were keeping these aggressive dogs. I think that this mentality of save all the dogs has caused this huge rise in owners who are trying to rehabilitate dogs that are quite frankly pretty unsafe. Gretchen is not a safe dog. Um, she's not like a regular dog that you can just like live in a house with. Um, but I see so many people have dogs like her who want to live these like regular lives and, you know, take your reactive dog to a coffee shop and take them out and do all of this stuff. Where, as I think, you know, back in the day, we wouldn't be taking these dogs out and they wouldn't even be adopted out which this is kind of the controversial part is this mentality of save all the dogs and making sure that you're getting a rescue has caused this rise in all of these behavioral cases. Whereas I think previously these dogs would have never even been in the system. I think, you know, unfortunately or fortunately they would have been put down before they would have ever been adopted out quite frankly, I don't believe that Gretchen should have been adopted to anybody, much less a family. So she came from just a regular family. Genetically, she is not, she's just not a safe dog. Um, And, you know, as a dog trainer, I see what happens when these dogs bite people and it really, you know, these dogs are biting people's faces and they're like mauling people. And obviously that's not the majority, but that's kind of the risk that you take by putting these types of dogs into the adoption system. And I can't imagine a situation where a dog like Gretchen should have ever been adopted out, period, much less to a family with children. Um, and, you know, it's controversial to say but I think we've kind of gotten to the point where we value dogs' lives over people's lives. And I love dogs more than anybody else, but I don't value them more than a human's life. And I think that, you know, the people who had Gretchen before are very fortunate that it wasn't any worse than it was. But, you know, they adopted a dog and they you know, thought that they were doing all the right things. They were feeding her a lot and walking her on a harness. And uh, she had more toys than I have (laughs) when they brought her to me and they gave her a cozy bed and, you know, like gave her all of the love and things that they thought would, you know, be important for a dog. But at the end of the day, none of those things mattered because, you know, Gretchen didn't have the training that she needed. She doesn't have, you know, the best genetics. And so no matter how much love you give her, like she's not going to be this safe dog. 
Personally, I love Gretchen um, and I'm incredibly grateful for everything that she's taught me. She's made me a significantly better dog trainer, not just in the skills that I've learned with her, but also in how I can relate to people who have dogs like her, how I can relate to people who have reactive dogs and what it feels like to live with that type of dog. You know, some days you don't want to walk them because it's exhausting. Some days they wake up and they're perfect and some days they're just on one. Um, and it can definitely be quite the emotional roller coaster. And even life with her and Lucy has been, you know, pretty, pretty difficult. I don't just get to, you know, let all of my dogs hang out in the backyard together. That's just not something that gets to happen for us. And right now it's totally okay. Like I have all of the things that I need to be able to manage everybody safely. And I have a team of trainers that I can trust with Gretchen to watch her if I ever, you know, go out of town. Um, but this type of life is pretty difficult and I can't imagine doing it, not being a dog trainer. Um, but my entire life is, you know, taking care of dogs and it's very doable for me, but for the average owner trying to, you know, work a full-time job or take care of kids. And on top of that, have, you know, a behavioral dog or a reactive dog, like I genuinely feel for you. It is not, it's not an easy thing at all. And I guess if you're listening and you have one of these dogs, like I see you, um, I feel you. And it does not go unnoticed the work that you do for your dog, regardless of how difficult it gets. Um, just know that, you know, you're not alone. There are so many other people out there who have similar cases. And I just finished training, um, a, a pretty severe behavioral dog. I had this dog for, I don't know, maybe like five or six weeks, which is much longer than I take pretty much any dog. Um, and when she came to us, you know, the owner talked about like the reactivity, the aggression towards other dogs, all of that kind of stuff. And, um, I have such a soft spot for dogs like this and I have such a soft spot for her owner because her owner loves her more than anything. And she is willing to do anything that she can to keep her. She lives in a very busy urban area and she's constantly around dogs and the reactivity has been a huge issue for her. But through the training, we've given her the tools that she needs to be able to navigate that reactivity. Um, but, you know, she's not a dog trainer and things get difficult with her and she does her absolute best to kind of navigate the reactivity. But, you know, I recently got a, a text from her where she's like, Hey Meg, I'm starting to see, you know, like when I correct the intention, she's redirecting at me. Like, what do I do? You know, it's a constant, it's a constant work in progress with these types of dogs and we'll continue to work with her. But I have so much respect for her because she did the right thing. You know, she reached out to a trainer. She got help. She did what she needed to do to be able to keep this dog, this dog that has not made her life any easier, who has made her life probably significantly more difficult. But at the end of the day, she is growing so much as a person by having this type of dog. 
And I really respect her for that. And I really, really relate. I, you know, I like see myself a little bit in her and, you know, on days when it does get difficult for me or for her, for anybody else who has this type of dog, um, just know that it's not easy and not very many people would do that. I can't tell you how many of my friends who are dog trainers have told me, don't keep that dog. Don't keep Gretchen. Everybody has told me, do not keep Gretchen. I could honestly probably argue that Gretchen was like one of the reasons for the downfall of my relationship. Um, I knew that it would cause problems. You know, my boyfriend at the time was like, I can't believe you got another dog. And not only did you get another dog, but you got a like broken dog that now you have to dedicate all of your time to. Um, yeah, so (laughs) it is what it is, but at the end of the day, I'm incredibly grateful for Gretchen for all that she's taught me. And, um, yeah, she's allowed me to relate to owners who have these reactive dogs. And I wish I could come on here and say, you know, this is how we work through reactivity, three steps to not having a reactive dog. But at the end of the day, that's just not how it works. Every single dog that I work with is completely different. And Gretchen is completely different from, you know, the other reactive dog that we trained. And all we can do is do what works. So I do my best to put as much information out there of kind of my approaches to working through reactivity. Um, But, you know, there's no better teacher than the dog in front of you. And that is really what Gretchen has taught me of, oh, you think you think, you know, dog training? Well, here, try and train this dog where none of none of your little tricks tricks work with her. So, yeah, if you have a reactive dog, you're not alone. We're here. We got you. It's stressful. But, you know, I think if you have taken on a behavioral case and you continue to work with them, like it says a lot about who you are as a person. Um, And one last thing that I wanted to kind of mention about reactivity before I leave you is, you know, it's very trendy right now to have a reactive dog, to label our dogs as reactive, but I'll kind of leave you with this note. Try not to identify too much with something like that. And I know in previous podcasts, I've kind of talked about, you know, my struggle with depression and I've talked about, you know, like, oh, I have depression. I have had, I've had anxiety, but I think the words that we say really matter. So when you say things like I have an aggressive dog or I have an, a, re- a reactive dog or my dog is reactive, you're you're just identifying with that. And it's really hard to change if you're putting your identity into something, right? So if I say I am depressed, I'm going to continue to kind of live in that narrative. Whereas if I say, you know, I struggle with depression, it's not me. I am not depressed. It's just something that I experience. And, you know, luckily life has been pretty good. And I can say that I no longer struggle with that. Um, who knows if it will be like that forever, but, um, just kind of where I'm at kind of came through that. Um, 
And I, I think, you know, the same can be applied for our reactive dogs. Try not to identify too much with, you know, my dog's a rescue or my dog's reactive or my dog is insert anything, you know, because in order to work through that, you have to believe that you can. And if you're identifying your dog with this behavior, it's going to be really hard to work through that. So I will leave you there. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Next week, we're going to be chatting with Tori. Um, I know I talked about how I recorded this episode, you know, a little bit ago, but, um, yeah, I wanted to give you an episode kind of in the meantime, just because I've been doing a lot of personal episodes recently. So I wanted to talk a little bit more about dog training and give you some information that would be helpful for you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to see you next week and thank you so much for being here.